You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey guys, before the episode starts, Cindy wants you to know about a new six-week online class that she has going. It starts September 14th and runs through October 19th. It's called Compelled to Change. Registration begins August 1st. Go visit cindy-stewart.com to get registered today. You will receive recorded teachings, weekly worksheets, weekly live coaching, bonus interactions with Q&A, prophetic solutions, and much, much more. Plus, every registration comes with a free download of her book, God's Dream for Your Life. Through this class, she wants to help others clarify their vision and develop a plan to live the life they dream about. For more information on how you can get registered starting August 1st, visit cindy-stewart.com or follow the link in the show notes. Thanks so much. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. This morning, I'm going to talk about hidden enemies. I know it's going to be good. Just warning you. I'm just warning you. The word of God is good. Yeah. <laughs> it is good. And he has uh, good things for us. But I, I do want to talk about hidden enemies. Last week, I talked about uh, that the enemy has been lying to us. The devil has been lying to us. And you can see that on We Are the Gathering website or on my personal website, cindy-stewart.com. But God has opened up my eyes to an understanding that I have not had. And we have prayed for discernment, for revelation. We've been praying that we will be like the sons of Issachar and be able to discern the times. And I'm not sure uh, what unleashed the bottle cap, but uh, the, all of a sudden I began to see things and put things together. I've been praying and researching and studying and, and, and just asking the Lord a lot of questions. But I began to see things. And I have asked the Holy Spirit to edit me because um, um, I need editing. So, because <laughs> there are things I want to share, and I'm like, God, is it a yes or is it a no? So just let me know. But until we get to that place, we're going to talk about the hidden enemy. And one thing I noticed over the last few months has there has been this onslaught of attacks that have been bound in chaos, confusion, misinformation. Uh, it's been, you, you're like, I don't know what's going on, but something's going on, but I can't quite put my finger on it. And as I have been kind of praying into and listening to you guys, some of you have called me, we've talked through it. Um, the thing that I have pondered and I've encouraged the others to ask is what spirit is operating against me? What are the spirits? Because if there's chaos, if there's confusion, if there's uncertainty, if there's loss, it is in direct opposition to the word of God. Right. Which means if it's in direct opposition to the word of God, that means a demonic 
spirit or spirits, they usually travel in packs, are operating against us. So we have to discern what is operating against us. And of course, when we think about uh, those things, we can understand that when they come against our finances, our businesses, we've had a couple that have come against businesses uh, that have sown lies and deceit and all those different things, then they are the spirits. They're lying spirits, they're deceiving spirits, they're spirits of confusion, they're spirits that are trying to steal and destroy your finances to cause division in your offices, division in your customers. So so the action that are is taken can usually be attached to the spirit that's coming against you. And what we are learning more and more is to seek God for what is coming against us. Right. And um, so we're, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we have to d- discern what demonic group has decided we are the juicy target for them to take a bite out of. That's what we have to discern. And in this season, we are seeing so much chaos that has a thread of truth, but it's bound in a lot of lies. And and so we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about how do we identify what's going on Number one, we've got to be able to identify it. Number two, we've got to understand God's strategy against it. So how do we uh, figure out the strategy and what type of attack is it? Is it a corporate assignment or is it a personal uh, attack against you? So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk through Judges 6, and we're probably just going to stay in Judges 6 for a few minutes so you can turn there. No, I'll have it. And I'm going to summarize verses 1 through 10 because we, we're not going to read the whole thing. But summarize 1 through 10. So it opens up saying Israel has sinned against God. And because they have sinned against God, and this is a key point, sin brings a landing spot for the enemy to come and stay with you. So Israel sinned, which was an invitation for the enemy to come in and attack everything they had. And what it created in Israel was fear, because it said that they they had uh, prepared themselves hideouts, dens, to hide from, to hide from the Midianites. So it created fear, number one. It created um, this inability to see what was going on. They were so caught up in, in the Midianites' attack against them that they couldn't see the bigger picture. And that happens to us. Sometimes what's happening to us, we're so in the middle of it, we're unable to step back and say, wait a minute, what is going on here? That's why we need each other. So we can call each other and say, this is what I am going through this and I cannot figure it out. 
I need someone to pray. And uh, in one of the situations, I sent the situation to my four top intercessors, and I said, I need for you guys to pray. I need discernment. Uh, I have a, uh, an idea, but I need some real discernment, some confirmation. So, so the Israelites has opened up a landing strip. They've actually invited the enemy to come and destroy them because of their sin. And they don't even recognize it because they're like, I'm, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're sowing seed for our crops. Well, because of the sin, because of the oppression of the enemy, the enemy, every time they sowed seed, they would come in and destroy the land. So they're caught in this never-ending cycle of, I'm trying to do what I know I'm supposed to do, but the enemy is destroying me at every step. And what they didn't realize is they were in sin, which gave the enemy an opportunity, a wide open door to come and attack them. So let's go to verse seven, and we're going to kind of jump in right here. So this is chapter six of Judges, verse seven. It says, now it came about when they, the Israelites, cried out to the Lord because of Midian. Okay, there's the start of breaking the chain. They cry out to the Lord. And what does the Lord do? Verse 8. The Lord sent a prophet to Israelites, to the Israelites. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. So he's reminding them what he has done for them. And I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. So this is what I've done for you. Then he says, and I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. You shall. Oh, did I skip one? Oh, no. I am the Lord, your God. You you shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to to and obeyed my voice. So the Lord has given them everything. He has promised, he's given them what he promised them. I've given you the land of your enemy. But what happened is you sinned against me. So the enemy came back to take that land. But but in order to break what's going on, God sent a prophet to declare what the Lord is saying. This is important. We need to listen to the prophets of the land. And um, because what happens is the Lord is sending instruction, direction, realignment through the words of his apostles and prophets. And we've got to learn to heed what's being said. You've got to find a family, a company, a, a, a team that you can be around that can press into what God is saying so we understand what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to respond. And it's important in this, in this time. So the hidden enemy to the people of Israel was not the exterior enemy. The enemy was their own sin which invited the exteriors, the spirits to come against them, the spirits of destruction, the spirits of stealing their finances, the spirit of taking their food. So the hidden enemy began with them in their sin because their sin against God 
made them actually an enemy of God. So that's, that's a key piece. So when, when things are coming against us, we've got to ask the Lord, first of all, Lord, what are the spirits operating? And second of all, Lord, am I an invitation for the spirits to come against me? Do I need to repent? Do I need to uh, confess? Do I need to forgive? You know, unforgiveness is one of the biggest sins the Christian body struggles with. Because we can't get past the hurt that someone's done to us. Um, So once we recognize what's going on, then we're able to realign ourselves, recalibrate ourselves with God. We repent, we confess, we let the Holy Spirit do like a a tune-up on us. What is it we need to do, God? What is it we need to repent? And then we deal with the spirits that come against us. Against Israel, the spirit of fear was there. They were afraid. Uh, Destroying spirits were there that would come and and, uh, uh, engulf everything that they did. Financial destruction was there. And in addition to that, there was this uh, move to steal the promise of God from the Israelites. If the Midianites can overrun Israel, can overrun God's people, and take away what God has given them, then it sows the seeds of doubt, the seeds of, well, God, you promised us this, and we'll, we'll talk about this, because Gideon says, Lord, you know, where are you? Where have you been? So it sows these seeds of doubt of whether God is faithful to his promise. So once they receive the revelation, they're able to move on, and God is able to raise up a leader to take them out of captivity because really they were held captive there. So let's go to verse 12. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, which is Gideon, and said to him, the Lord is with you, O brave man. But Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has this happened to us? So Gideon has missed the connection that sin has brought it in there. He's missed that connection. And we miss it too. We were like, I ain't doing nothing wrong. I'm good. I'm good, God. And where are all the wondrous works, or where are all his wondrous works, which our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? But Gideon said to him, please, Lord, how am I to rescue Israel? Behold, my family is the least significant in Manasseh, and I am the youngest uh, and smallest in my father's house. Okay, there's the second lie of the enemy. The enemy has Gideon believing that What the Lord has told him can't be true about him. The Lord said to you, said to Gideon, he said, you, you are a brave man. You're going to rescue. Yeah, the Lord appeared to him, verse 12, and it says, the Lord is with you, O brave man. So he is explaining to the Lord 
why the Lord's identity over him doesn't really apply to him. That he is believing the lie of the enemy that what God has called him to do is not possible. And that happens all the time to us. When God calls us out, when we see the enemy's attack, when we see that we're supposed to take a step into something that's way out of our comfort zone, then we believe the lie of the enemy that our identity is not strong enough in the Lord to do what God has called us. That's powerful. Because the enemy attacks our identity. He attacks the leadership, which Gideon is going to become the next great leader of Israel. He attacks the leadership because he wants to hold them down so that they don't move into the position God has called them. Think about that. Have you ever told the Lord that you don't have the ability to do what he's called you to do? Have you ever told the Lord, no, I can't do that, and I can give you 15 reasons why? We all have. You know, all of us have. I have. Let me give you five reasons why I can't start a church because I had something else in mind. But, you know, think about it. We've all done it. We've all denied our identity in Christ for whatever reason. We've all done it. And we still do it at times when the, when the, when the chaos on the outside looks bigger than our faith inside. We begin to explain to God why he can't use us. Why his promises, what you promised me, God, will never manifest. Because what's out there is way too big for me. We all do it. But God is so good. You know, he's not afraid of Gideon's little identity crisis. Because he's already decided what what Gideon's going to be. So he is going to work through Gideon's uh, self-consciousness, through his uh, intimidation by being in the least of the clan. We all know that when you're the least of the least of all the people around you, you feel so unworthy to be able to rise up to lead them. But God says, because you're the least of the least, I am going to use you to rise up and lead the strong of the strong because I am God and I have a plan that's beyond the strength in your community. So so really think about this. You know, the lie has to be kicked out. And the truth of God's word has to be poured in. It has to be ignited. The embers have to be stoked. The fire has to burn so that we understand what God has called us to do, whether we know how to do it, whether we've ever done it before. God, if you say, then I will. If you say, I will. And that's what we have to realize is we're in a battle for, number one, our identity. Yes. What is going on in our nation, in our world, is a fight over our identity. What is going on is our perspective of things is being uh, molded in a way where we cannot see God because we are so faced with 
what's going on outside. And the one thing, uh, here comes my self-edit, go Holy Spirit. The one thing that the Lord showed me this weekend was you are looking at this COVID-19 all wrong. I said, okay, because in my spirit, I have known something is not right. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist because it does. We all know people who have had it. We know people who have suffered dearly with it. We know people who've barely had it, you know, everything in between. We know people who don't have it. But um, so it wasn't a matter of whether it exists or not. I don't believe it's a hoax. I know that's what there are people saying. I, I do not believe it's a hoax. Go talk to people who've had it. And it is not a hoax. But we have to understand perspective. And someone sent me an uh, old Sesame Street song that, um, I'm like, I never heard that, uh, that says, um, oh gosh, don't let me forget it. Okay. Basically, um, it, you're able to understand by the size in which you see things. And the whole illustration was, if you see an elephant in front of you, then it's big and giant. But if you see it at a distance, it looks small. Okay? So that's ba the basic concept. That's not the words. I'm so sure, sure somebody knows it. But, but what the Lord showed me was right now, Corona's being shown to us as a big and giant elephant in front of us. But when we step back and take a look at it, then what we're understanding is in the big picture of things, and I'm going to use percentages because I'm kind of a numbers person. If you look at the United States, if you look at Florida, they're both run about the same. They're showing us that, you know, nine or 10% of the people who get tested have it. What they're not showing us is the number of people who have it versus the population within our country or within our state. Right. So Florida has uh, 22.9 million people, I think. So when you do the math, the number of people who have, who have corona, the 300,000 we're talking about, give or take 10 or 15,000, I don't know how much it's gone up, is about 1%, a little over 1% of Florida. Same with the country. If we take the, uh, I do have the exact numbers because I wrote them down. If we take the, I think it's 323 million that live in Florida or 330 right in there. I mean, that live in America by the number of people who have it, we're right at 1%. So it doesn't mean that the numbers they're showing us aren't accurate. It's just, it just means that the picture is not big enough for us to understand what's going on. Right. So it is fanning a flame of panic, fear, uh, almost like Gideon, God, where are you? But he, you know, it's in verse 16, he tells Gideon, he says, um, the Lord answered him because he goes on, you know, he's talking about how small he is and how insignificant he is. The Lord answered him and said, I will certainly be with you and you will strike down the Midianites as if, um, as if they were only one man. And we'll, you know, we're not going to go into the whole story of Gideon, but I would encourage you to read it because um, there were 
I can just tell you real quick because I wrote it in my, oh, not in this Bible. Anyhow, there were, I forget, like 32,000 Midianites that went against 300 of Gideon's men. So he's striking down all of them as if there were only one man with 300. So I want you to take that scripture and sear it inside of you. That God is going to use you to defeat what the enemy is doing as if there was only one enemy, not a pack of enemies. He's going to use you. So we have to understand that there is a swirl of lies that is creating chaos, confusion, uncertainty, financial devastation to us that can be eradicated through repentance, through asking the Lord what spirits are coming against us, through banding together with other people to pray, to bind, to defeat the enemy that's come against us, right? Okay. Now I'm going to hit on one other spot. I don't think we're going to another scripture right yet. No, okay. So when our identity is attacked, what happens is, is we begin to refute the word of God because of the lies that we're believing. And you're like, nope, I believe the word of God. I do too. But when there's a piece of the word of God that I am unwilling to receive, then I'm actually at war with that word. I'm actually at war. I am a new creation. Well, I am, but I have some of my old ways in me. No, that is not what the word says. So we have to realize that the whole word has to apply to us. And the reason I'm talking about this is because we're equipped to do the work of the kingdom. And right now there is a battle. There's a, there's kingdom battles. We are the kingdom of God that's battling against the kingdom of the world. And what we have to do is make sure that we don't infuse our own emotion and our intellect in order to explain what needs to happen or what is happening. And I'm going to use this example because it's, it's, it's a clear example. You know, Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Okay, everybody knows that scripture, right? What we have to realize is that in the context of what was happening in the Old Testament, there is a nation... Israel, that is being led through that process. In the context of what's happening now, there is a body of Christ not being led by one, by the priest and and Solomon. There's, There's a body of Christ being led by a lot of different people. And I say this because I want us to understand God wants us all to repent, turn to him, and align ourselves with him. There's no doubt about that. But we are not going to be held captive for those within the body who don't have the revelation for the need of repentance. And I want us to understand that because 
There are people, and I'm just going to give you, we're talking about the body right now. We're not talking about the outside unbelieving world. But I wrote these down because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget them. So the body can only repent according to the revelation that they have, right? There are movements within the body of Christ that believe that Jesus is not the only way. That people can get to the Father without going through Jesus. Now, you may be shocked, but there are great movements of of millions of people like that. So God is not going to hold us captive because they haven't had the revelation to repent. Right? Right. There are people within the body of Christ that are caught in leaders, and I'm talking about leaders, that are caught into sexual immorality, that are caught into... uh, ungodly living that are caught into uh, foulness, all these different things. But we are not going to be held captive because they are living a dual life. Because there's always a remnant. Mm -hmm. And it is the remnant that pushes us through to the other side. If we have to wait on every single believer to get on the same page with God, we are going to be in paralysis we will not be able to move at all. So I want us to make sure we don't believe a lie that says, because all of the Christians in America aren't repenting, then God's not going to move on our behalf. That is not true, because there's always a remnant. You see in both covenants, the old and the new, that there was always a battle within the family, within the family of God over what is truth or whether my sin makes any difference to him. They were handled differently. Old covenant knew the old covenant. They were just dead. I mean, that's the way they were dealt with. You know, you cross God, you cross God's leadership. That's it. There isn't a, like, I hope it gets better. That's it. You, that's what we see. In the New Covenant, in the New Testament, that is not what we see. Okay, so we need to make sure we don't get trapped in this. If every Christian in the world doesn't repent, then God's not moving on our behalf. God is moving on our behalf right now. There is a movement of repentance. There is a movement of declaration. There's an alignment of the apostles, the prophets, the fivefold. There, There is a movement of God. So we cannot let our emotions and our intellect confuse us in what the spirit is doing and the power that we have to do the things of God. And what, what, what we're really talking about is we have to step back and understand a perspective. And when we hear things, We have to understand contextually the whole word of God. We have to understand it from beginning to end and what his heart is and what love looks like through him in order to be able to discern and measure what's being said. Um, So uh, there's one other thing I want to add to that. Let's see where we're going to go with this, Lord. Um, Which means that... There, I want to say this P.S. on this too. There is a whole group of the body of Christ that does not believe they need to be in relationship with anyone. 
and they think that they hear from God, but they're unable to submit to the body, to the leadership body that God's put in place in order to discern whether what they're hearing is pure and holy and from God. So we have to understand when we listen to people, we listen in body life. We listen with leadership. Everybody has leaders over them. I have leaders over me. You have leaders over you. We listen with our leadership. You know, one of the things, I don't know if you guys watched the video with uh, Patricia King and Chuck Pierce a couple days ago, but the one thing Chuck Pierce said is he said, when I see the anointing of God moving, then I come up under that anointing. Right. You know, I don't need to be the top dog. I just need to come up under what God is doing. That's what we have to do as the remnant of, of God. We have to come up underneath the movement that God has. Where is the anointing? That's where I need to come up underneath. And right now the anointing is, I will not fear God is with me. Right. The anointing is, I understand what's going on out there, but that's not my plumb line. God is my plumb line, and that's where I'm leaning. I might not be able to explain all that's going on, but what I know is it is not the fullness of God manifesting on this earth. So my explanation is, God, what does your word say? What spirits are manifesting? And what do you want me to do about it? What is my responsibility to it? Some of us have uh, family. Some of us have regional. Some of us will have nations. Some will have uh, our nation. Some will have nations. But we have to understand where we fall in responsibility. But all of us carry responsibility to shift what is happening out there. Just like with Gideon, once he came to the realization and, you know, you can look at Gideon's life and say, well, you know, he had to fleece God a couple of times. Big deal. Right. <clears throat> he, God is not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of us seeking confirmation. He's not, he's not put off by our uncertainty. He's looking for our obedience. That's it. Amen. You know, I don't, God, I have lots of questions and I'm not sure about this. And he's like, well, you know, I can give you signs and I can give you, you know, a, a stone in the road or whatever you need. Because you will do what I've called you to do because it's an anointing on your life. It's a call on your life and you will get it done. Whether it's in the short term or the long term, it will get it. It's like your kids. You can, you can pick up your clothes now or you can pick it up later, but they will get picked up. That's what God's saying. You know, I've anointed you. I've called you. I already see the end from the beginning. I already see, even though you're here and you're struggling, I see that mightiness in you. I see the anointing in you. I see what I've called you to do. I see that I've changed you to call the, to change economic boundaries because of your businesses. I see that I've called you to share the word of God in your marketplace. You know, he's already seen what he, what we are going to do. He's already seen it. And he's not going to give up on any one of us because he needs us. And I had someone say, God doesn't need us. Well, he does because that is the chosen path he's made. Right. 
He can do it without us, and there are sovereign moves for sure. But he said from the beginning of time, I am going to make man in my image to be with us, to be a part of us, to fellowship with us. And they will go forth and they will multiply and they will conquer and they will uh, uh, um, produce all the things that they're called to do. So he doesn't technically need us, but in his law that he has written for us, he's chosen to use us in partnership to move the kingdom forward. So he doesn't have to, but he's already declared it. He's already written it in his law. He's already made it in our hearts. So that's the way it works. Amen? Amen. So all of us. So he needs each one of us. Um, so I want to talk about one other thing, and then, then I've got something I want to release over you. Uh, one, the last thing is, is Gideon had to clean his own house before he could go out. So he had to tear down all the high places to the other gods that his tribe had built. Uh, A friend of ours did a lot of work over in Nepal, and they said it was easy to get people saved. They just added Jesus to the rest of their gods because that's what they knew. You know, so so Gideon had to clean out all the gods. Somehow they had incorporated the other gods into their life. They built up the high places to Baal and all that. So he had to clean their own house first before they can take out the enemy. We have to keep our own houses clean before we can take out the enemy. Because if we don't clean our own house first, then the enemy doesn't have to leave. Because we've given him the territory to stand on. We've, we're saying, okay, God, all this dedicated to you, but my little pornography habit I have over here, I'm just going to hold on to that. But you can have all the rest. Well, that gives the enemy the open territory, that spirit of perversion to come against you that will attack, that will pervert your finances. It will pervert your children. It'll pervert everything that you touch. Whatever you decide to hold on to, that is where the enemy will land and will multiply in every avenue of your life. And I'm not saying by any stretch of the means we have to be perfect. What I'm saying is we just have to keep our house clean. So if we see a little misstep, then we just have to make sure that we clean that misstep up and get back on the right track with God. So I think that's really important that he had to clean his own house first. So we've got to have discernment. We have to be aligned with leadership that is devoted and dedicated to the Lord. That's going to follow him in every step of the way. That's going to declare what he's saying. That's going to have leadership around them. So there's no, um, you know, loose cannons out there because if you're, if you've got accountability and leadership around you, somebody's going to call you and say, I saw that, or I heard that, and that just ain't right. <laughs> we need to talk about that. And it's the only way that we, that we keep tight and we stay close. Um, so we have to stay in alignment with them. And then the last thing I want to talk about is this um, book. Uh, I just got it. It's called The Passover Prophecies. 
and it's by Chuck Pierce. And he spoke about it in the little video. It is excellent because it helps us understand a bigger picture of what's going on. And we've heard a lot of prophecies this year uh, of what's going to happen. And in fact, one of them was this financial abundance, including that's what the Lord showed me. And so what does the enemy want to do? If there is a, a call that the people of God are going to have financial abundance, what's the enemy going to do? He's going to attack our finances. And he found a very um, substantial way to do it through the COVID. And so this is really good. I, I would encourage you, if you get a chance, if you're interested in this part at all, to pick it up. But in the very back of it, uh, he has a um, word that he releases, which I want to release over all of us, about discerning and understanding what's happening. And he says that as you read it, as you release it, you will receive the anointing to be able to have that, to have that discernment, to have that understanding, to have that clarity. So I want to read it over us because I want all of us to have it so we can all be in this together. Uh, So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. I want to read this over to you, over you and over us and over our church and over our region, all the, everyone who's watching online. Um, Yeah, it's really good. This is uh, the anointing of God's spirit. So just close your eyes, uh, extend your hands, and here we go. This is a day that I'm visiting my people. This will be a decade where I align the host of heaven with the armies of earth. You are entering a season to walk in an Issachar anointing. In your process time, your ending ending and beginning, I am declaring that you will end seasons strong and begin new seasons stronger. I am aligning heaven's gate with earth's grates. I am declaring you will be at the right place at the right time. My word is coming alive in a new way. Receive the spirit of revelation and an anointing to interpret every step you take in the days ahead. There is a great war between death and life in the earth realm. Stay one step ahead of death. Watch carefully, for I am unfolding and revealing dimensions of time that have been closed in past seasons. I am creating a winning team in this earth. Many of you signed up for my team but you didn't want the discipline to become what I needed in the last hour of history. However, in this hour of history, I will draw you forth. Do not despair, my disciples. I am creating a winning team that will, that will know how to pass the hall, pass the ball, work together, and triumph in the end. This is the beginning of a triumphant movement throughout the earth. And I say, my team will win. The power of Satan's uh, accusing, condemning, and confining strategies will be overcome by the triumphant people. Your promises are beginning to manifest around you. New levels of prophecy for your future are starting to bud in your atmosphere. Remove any past judgments that have caused you to hold captive your future. I am... 
releasing a new grace of prophecy upon my people. Know that your times are in my hands. The anointing breaks the yoke. Let me anoint you new and fresh for the air ahead. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you. We receive that anointing of not only knowing the times, but uh, ending one season strong and going into the new season even stronger, that this prophetic unction will flow through all of us and that we will be able to take the pieces that you give us and put them together to develop the strategy you have for us. We will win. We are the team of God. We will win. There will be no other victors except the people of God. So God, thank you that we're on your team. We are on the winning team that, that we have thrown our weight, our talent and our gifts forward into your team. And we will make it across the finish line with every victory that you have set forth for us. So Jesus, we thank you that you are our king, that you you are our leader, that you are a warrior for us, and that all of heaven is, is invading with us to take the kingdom of God on this earth in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.